and welcome to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Podcast, or Tigercast, that's the first time I've named it incorrectly, there you go, that's what a, a long weekend will do to you. I'm your host Michaels and we're coming to you live on a public holiday which i just forgotten about and haven't printed off the rundown so we'll see how we get through tonight but we've got two very special guests in this evening. Our first guest, and they're both brand new to the show which is good, our first guest, Richo at the Disco. Welcome to the show mate. G'day, yeah thanks for having me. We're live are we? I better not swear in case Tiger Imposter's listening. <laughs> yeah but... Oops, yeah, well... shit. Oops, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, cut a lot of that out, but anyway, that's all right. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, it is our, a family show, so. Yes, yes it is, that's all right. And our second guest is JR8, welcome to you. Thanks for having me. No dramas at all. Uh, Rich, I'll start with you first. You, you guys both said you had some, or a fun fact or a story about yourselves. You can just even make one up, it doesn't have to be true, but you might know the difference. Uh, what did you have for us? Oh, I don't know, well, I don't know about a fun fact, Um let me see. I mean, I'm a Richmond supporter from third generation, I guess. My family sort of been in and around Richmond since the 50s. Um, fun fact, I played some footy with Birdman Evans coming up as a kid. Oh, very good. Um, my brother played with Leper. I don't know. What else we got? I played with Mark Graham, which is not as exciting for Richmond fans. He was serviceable. Well, yeah, he was all right, Given Straker. what we were working with at the time. Yeah, I, I didn't think we should have... I thought it was a waste of time getting him, but he, he did all right for us. Mm. I'll tell you something about the Birdman. First time I played against Birdman, uh, I played against him in juniors and then with him at, uh, at Hawthorne when we were under-17s, under-19s. First time I played against him, he stood on one of our blokes' head, took an absolute screamer, and then later in the game, he smashed in another bloke's head with his nose, with another bloke's nose with his head, headbutt. I thought, who the hell is this bloke? And he's actually one of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet. I hadn't seen him for like 10 years, and I ran into him one night, one day, and... He's like, how you going, Richo? Like, he just, you know, and he said he recognised my dad too. I wouldn't have seen him for wow. even longer. So he was a really nice man, Birdman. He's always tough, around the local nails. footy as well because he was playing at Narry Warren for a while. So he's always yeah, down he's the local grounds boy, and yeah. he has a chat to everyone, which is good. And uh, yep. JRA, what about yourself? How did you become a Richmond supporter? And did you have a, a fun fact about yourself? Yeah, uh, my old man was a. Um, Richmond supporter, so uh, my grandfather tried to turn me into a Collingwood supporter when I was first born, and uh, my old man said, no, not having any of that, he's going to be a Tiger supporter, and uh, I've been suffering for a long time, but um, yeah, last year was uh, really good to put an end to the suffering, and uh, I got to share that moment with my dad, so yeah, that's how I um, became a supporter. Um, Fun fact, it's not very exciting, but uh, my cat is named after... Uh, Matthew Richardson, so my cat's name is Richo. <laughs> I think there'd be, there'd be a lot of those kind of pets out there, I'm sure. So, and, uh, well, Richo's so cat's more... named after Kevin Bartlett. <laughs> oh, <there you> go. <laughs> yeah. I suppose in more recent times, there'd probably be a few Dusties running around. I know one of my mates has got a, a dog named Dusty, so I'm sure mm-hmm. there's a, a, few, a few of them creeping around too. The game on Friday night... Uh, I was pretty flat and disappointed after after watching it. I thought we should have done a hell of a lot better. Uh, Richard, what did you make of the game? I, I wasn't that disappointed, to be honest. Like I thought we fought it out. Um, I just think we passed that that tipping point of just having t- too many B and C graders in the side. It was too too much heavy lifting for guys who just weren't quite up to it and weren't didn't have the A grade support that would carry them otherwise. So I don't know. Interstate against a team that was right up for it, we got shafted by the umps. Uh, I was, 
I still thought we should have won, but you know, I wasn't too disappointed. I think once we get back some uh, some of our better players, it's not going to matter too much. Is it a concern that we do struggle, or we have this year on anyway on the road? Given that you know a few years ago it seemed to be one of our strengths that we'd travel really well, we'd win more than we'd lose, but it's we just seem to be yeah. off the boil this year. Well, we definitely got our game tailored for the G. There was a bit of play on the other night where um, I think Higgins flicked one to McIntosh, and McIntosh kicked this long left foot around the outer wing at Adelaide Oval, and it went out on the full just in front of Moore. That, at the MCG, that was a perfect kick, and we're away because it would have, would have been in, inside the boundary by five metres, but it just floated out because it's a narrower ground. So maybe maybe it's just our game is tailored to the G. Maybe it's just, I don't know, coincidence. I mean, we got... We got shafted by the umps against West Coast too. At, at half time, we were level. We'd kick six goals, eight to seven goals too, and we'd had 36 inside 50s to 17. So you could argue we should have been way ahead. And then after half time, they had 14 free kicks to one. So I don't know. They were, I don't know. I, and, I mean, I'm, I'm more, more, more pleased that we're hard, almost impossible to beat at the MCG that I'm worried about that we lose games away from it. Maybe I'm being a bit too critical and harsh when I was disappointed. Like, if that's as bad as we're going to Put play, it this way. we lose we by three goals. A, if we get drawn in a final first first week with a full-strength side and we happen to be playing West Coast in Perth or Port Adelaide in Adelaide, I'll, I'll take the money and run. We'll get, we'll be, we won't be favourites and I'll put a lot of money on us because we'll smash them. So you yeah, we're just t- timing our run. Well, definitely. We did it last year and we're doing it again this year. We'd, I mean, they've been ultra-cautious with Rioli. They've been ultra-cautious with Prestia. Anyone who's important and is, has a niggle, they're being cautious with. I mean, Cochin missed a game, Martin missed a game. I'm, I'm not worried. Is there, is there any possibility that they could even be in the middle of... Do they do the having training loads mid-year now? Is that still a thing that they do? or is They that... do. Yeah, definitely do. They do them. And I think... I think we were, we had been in one. I think we lifted for the Essendon game, but even watching, listening to, I think it was Caddy being interviewed after the game, he talked about what a tough game it was. And I, I thought about that after the port game, like, well, we probably got up for that one, but that doesn't mean we wouldn't be flat the next week. So, you know. And JL, the, the one thing that stood out for me against Port is I felt we were just getting dominated around the clearances. We were giving them far too many easy inside 50s, which put our defenders at sea. Was that a bit of a concern for you watching, or was I over-exaggerating that as well, potentially? No, I, I agree with you there. Um, definitely getting smashed around the midfield. Uh, Port got a lot of um, big-body midfielders, and you could see um, you could see that was making a big difference um, during the game. Um, yeah, Graham, Graham out cost us, I think. Um, that hurt a bit, yeah. and obviously... Um, Martin, Martin being out uh, really mixed up the structure. So Caddy going in, um, yeah, he wasn't impactful like he is. Um, and yeah, you know, not not being in a forward line, uh, Jack was getting double and triple time, triple teamed every time the ball went in. And yeah, it was just it was difficult for us to um, to get anything happening. Yeah, the Jack yeah, was interesting. Uh, Nick had his worst game in yellow and black too. He was. Yeah. He was putrid in Ankervis. He's normally that. He normally is that like a big-bodied midfielder for us, and he was hopeless. Which he's, he's, you know, he's. You forgive that because he's been so good. But yeah, basically, the, we didn't have him, Martin, Prestia, or Graham. That's it's that's a lot a of hardness to of miss around the ball, especially when they've got big bodies themselves. I was just really shocked that we didn't play Graham. He didn't even play VFL. So unless it was a structured rest, um, be, I don't know. It kind of felt like the common sense might have prevailed and you, you leave him back in the team. But 
yeah, we just didn't cope very well at all without him. And the other player, and I think I've mentioned him a few times, and maybe I'm picking on him, maybe I'm not, but Dan Butler just had an absolute nightmare, I think. Mm. Yeah, Butler's a... Uh, you could see Butler has played a lot of soccer. Let's put it that way. <laughs> There's one time he came th- through a pack and just tried to dribble the ball with his feet instead of picking it up when it was at, you know, hip level almost. He's a clever player, but... And I think he's told to be outside, but yeah. He, I don't want him being outside, but I just find that he doesn't, basics. he doesn't use his pace until he feels he needs to. But if he actually exploded off the mark at, from the start, he'd break away from more packs than most people in our team. But he just seems True. to cruise but then the, first training, the balls about the to The training bounce. thing might apply to him as well. You know, mm. He's very quick and he does cover a lot of ground, so maybe he's tired. Possibly. And what about uh, Asprey going down? That seemed to be a bit of a turning point in the game. I think that's when Port piled on majority of their goals in that second quarter. How Was it the second or third quarter? I think it was the second. Did, second. Um, yeah, second, how, how much yeah. impact do you guys reckon that's had on, on the outcome of the game and potentially going forward as well? That was a big one, I reckon. That killed us. That uh, every that stuffed up the structure. As soon as he um, come off the ground, that's when they piled on the goals. That, that couple of minutes... Uh, that really killed the game for us, I think. Yeah, I can't talk. I was actually in the toilet for those couple of minutes. I came back, I'm like, oh, they've kicked three goals. Yeah, well, yeah. That wasn't good. And it was, I was probably more disappointed with then our inability in the second half to pick it back because they only kicked one goal after half time. So we've just been a really sloppy going forward, uh, bombing it in long. We When they set up behind mm. the ball, we didn't try and counter it. The amount of times we kicked straight to put our lead players was just ridiculous. It was driving me nuts. True. And, and like you said at the start, Rewalt's getting double, triple teams, so they're going to have to be a bit smarter about our ball movement going forward, I think. Yeah, ball use wasn't great. And I think credit to Port. They First quarter and a half, I, I said to my brother-in-law I was watching with, this is a great game. And then Port just shut it down, made it an ugly stoppage slog and just played the boundary line which played into their hands with their big midfielders they wanted stoppages they're good at stoppages and they just made it an ugly ugly game and you know we that we couldn't adapt adapt well enough to beat them no no they, they did they brought it to us and unfortunately that's the the territory that comes with being the reigning premiers you become the hunted as we all knew was going to happen um and we are we are literally everyone's grand final and, and that's not even a joke anymore it's actually true so Actually, it's true now. Yeah, it is true. Yeah, and I could see, I could see them before the game coming out. Um, Yeah, they were really pumping themselves up for it. And yeah, it's like next week. I think we're going to have the same same thing. You know, Geelong is going to be looking to to uh, get back at us. So yeah, we are everyone's grand final. And we were the same when you know when Hawthorne were winning their grand finals. We were always drawing ourselves up to try and knock them off. And a couple of times we did. So just. It's just our turn now to be. Yeah, we have a hunter. different perspective on those wins now, don't we? Over Hawthorne. Yeah. We understand it better, I think. That's right, absolutely. We all thought, yeah, we were shit up back then. It was like, oh, you know what? Teams do get up and about for these kind of games, and you're bound to drop one every now and then. But yeah, we're still in a good position. Um, I think we're a little bit lucky that the teams outside the eight are kind of drinking it out as well. So we've got a little bit of clearance there, but uh, the top four is getting pretty congested. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all pans out. Is I've done the ladder predictor on the that squiggle site uh, numerous times, and you come up with something different every time. And you know, like six teams tied on the same number of wins from third to ninth, almost. I think there's like ten teams trying to fit into eight spots at the moment. There's probably six teams trying to fit into the top four. 
you know, when I posted that thread, I knew what was going to happen. Instead of people, pardon me, sharing their thoughts and opinions, I just got slammed for my one. It's like, hang on, do your own and put it out there and let's all judge each other. That's right. But you're right. It changes every time you do it. It does. It does. Because sometimes have I overcompensated the margin and... Uh, yeah, there's so many things that come into it, but I'm sure we'll keep dropping and changing as the as the weeks go on. But I'd like to think that top four, not, not, I'm not going to say certainly, but is definitely very achievable. But I'm starting to have my concerns about top two. I think the top fours. I reckon, looking at it, I think that the top four is pretty close to being set. I reckon that the top four teams at the moment are going to be the teams that are there at the end of the year. Just how they're positioned. Um, may vary, but I think West Coast, uh, if they keep going the way that they are, they stay in first, and it's just uh, between Richmond, Sydney, and Geelong uh, where they're going to finish in the top four. But I'm I'm pretty confident we can achieve top four still. What about the two teams today, Melbourne and Collingwood? They've been touted by media as being potential top four candidates. They're not no chance to fit in. We don't think. Oh uh, no, I think I think both either of them could definitely. Um... I think Melbourne's better than Geelong, I th- and I think Collingwood potentially is. I think Collingwood got Melbourne at the right time today, and Collingwood's best is very good, but their they their worst is not uh, not as not as close to their best as the good teams is. Um, but I think yeah, I think Melbourne. I don't, I don't really rate Geelong to be honest. Wow, I'm, I'm kind of quite happy to play them in a final again at at the MCG. Obviously, not down at Skilled. <laughs> Obviously, at the MCG, where else would you play a final? <laughs> exactly right. Uh, we'll push on to the roast and toast for this week. We'll start with you, Richard, at the disco. You've got the roast for us. What have you got? Oh, the, yeah, the roast is all these bloody hand ringers about the state of the game. The game's the game's in fine shape, and all I need to do to fix it is play it properly. They talk about the golden years. I watched the 989 grand final recently. Here's what they did differently then. They called... They call it a ball up as soon as the ball gets stopped in a pack instead of letting bigger packs. They're, they're paranoid about calling for ball ups now, so they let the ball bounce around inside bodies with more bodies piling on until either eventually have no choice to ball it up with now there's 30 people around the ball or someone throws the ball out and they're like, oh, good, let's play on. And the other thing is when you call a ball up, just get in there and throw it up straight away. Don't worry about Brian Taylor I never do agree with, but he said this the other night. Just get in there and throw it up before 30 blokes come around. Just get in there and throw it up, and whoever's there contests the ruck contest. That's Watch that 1989 grand final, and you'll see how the game should be umpired for a start. There's nothing wrong with it. Just cut, pay the free kicks that are there. like Pay, pay them all. Stop, stop people holding on, for fuck's sake, in the midfield even more than in the forward line, I think. But the, the, what taggers get away with, like Jacobs, is a disgrace. That guy should, that guy should be booted out of the game. It was like McCaffrey a few years ago on Col- on Cotchin. Yeah, he got and uh, crucified and call that. the ball ups and uh, and ball it up bloody quickly and let anyone go for it. I felt like get rid of this that third man up ruck rule. Just let anyone go for the ball when it's a I, ball up. Fuck yeah, the ruck I felt ball. like they balled it up quickly today. There was a couple of times where Max Gorn was on the bottom of the pack and they called a ball up and the ball was thrown up almost the moment he was standing mm. up, so he had no time to position. I've probably been told to do it. Yeah, yeah, or anything. So. I do. Th- I, I agree that that would help uh, cause yeah, create a bit more separation and less congestion if that's what they're worried about. But uh, just to add to your race, they've also got to get if they're going to implement things like a goal review system, they've got to get it right. Once again, uh, did you, I don't know if you guys read the article or not, but 
the Essendon versus Brisbane game, Jake Stringer had a shot for goal and the goal umpire called it touched but wanted to double check it. And the AFL have come out and said that reviewer was looking at the wrong player to see if they touched the ball and they, they overturned it and called it a goal, but they were looking at the wrong person. Like, how can yeah, you have these kind review, of mistakes in the just review go. system? What if the review shows that uh, the ball wasn't touched off the boot, but the guy who got the ball, his teammate threw it to him? They can't say, oh, it was a throw, so it's no goal. But if you're trying to get the decision right, you should. So you could review every single decision and you'd get something different. So just let put some faith in the umpires and let them do their job. Get better umpires for a start. I'll, I would impl- I'll be going around to all the state leagues and all the, the suburban comps and get just approach the smartest players in the comp. Everyone, you'll know who they are. People will tell you. And offer them six figures to be, become an umpire because they understand the game. Go, mate, look, you're 30 years old. You're, you've earned 2000 bucks a week um, playing footy. You're coming to the end of that. How about another, the next 10 years you earn 100 grand a year implementing your footy knowledge by umpiring the game the way it's meant to be umpired because you know what, how it's played. You know all the tricks. You know all the, the diving, all the staging. You know everything. Umpire it the way it should be played, please. And I reckon that's a big issue that there's not a great deal of umpire depth. Um, I personally didn't see our VFL game on the weekend, but following the thread, uh, it sounded like there was oh, one was... particular umpire with a lot of howlers. Uh, even with three. Craig... Oh, there were three. <laughs> there all were three. of them. In fact, the girl, the girl only started sucking in the last quarter. The other, there was a number twenty-two who was awful all day. Uh, I was there. It was it was terrible. I mean, it was hometown umpiring at its worst. Yeah, so and that's but, that's uh, an issue that if they're the umpires that are in line to take over like a main role, someone's injured or sick or whatever it might be, then what kind of chance do we have? And it has to become a full time profession. Yeah, if they're serious, of course it should be. And the, the other rule I want to bring up as well that's um, getting a roast is from today's game, the below the diving below the knees rule is bullshit and has to go. Taylor Adams, I think he's a flog, but he dove out in front of... He was at the ball first. He slid across the ground and punched it forward to a teammate. And the Melbourne player got there second and pretty much fell over him and there was no contact. Jumped and over him. Jumped over him. There was no contact. There was no contact, and he got the free against. Now, that's not what the spirit yeah. of that rule was all about. It was about if you're sliding in with your legs to someone who's you know already bent over and picked up the ball, that's fair enough. But yeah, the, that is players have been brought up to get the ball first and be first at the footy, and that was just a genuine contest. And if anything, if you want to be really picky, the Melbourne guy should be looked at for staging. If that's if, yeah. if if they want to get he really dived. technical about it all, it's yeah that rule needs to be looked at and overhauled. I think at the end of the year. Yeah, I agree. All right, enough of, enough of me ranting. Uh, JR, you've got the toast for us. What have you got? Yeah, uh, I'm going to toast the big freeze. Uh, I think it was great that all 18 coaches got together. Uh, it's for a good cause. Uh, last time I checked the TV. Uh, I think it was just before six. It was finishing about six. Uh, it was at two point two million. Um, so I think that's great. I think everyone who donated uh, have done really well. Neil Danaher has done really well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's good. It's it was a great cause. Um, it's pretty sad to see that uh, firefighter um, that was on there as well. I think uh, he was just diagnosed in January and um, he's gone downhill pretty quickly. And I think Bucks wore um, his helmet. Uh, yep. down the slide so it was um yeah it was pretty sad and 
yeah, no, I think it was a great course. I'm toasting to that. Yeah, it was really yeah, nice. Even after cool. the game, the Collingwood boys put him in the middle of the circle for the song as well, which was a nice touch as well. And they were, they were getting around him afterwards, which was really good to see. But I think they mentioned at the end of the telecast, it's raised over $34 million across the four years, including the government contribution and selling the beanies and all kinds of stuff, which is an amazing effort. Mm, that's great. And it was yeah, Neil Danaher is amazing. Like, the Danaher family are just wonderful people, I think. Just credit to him. Surely credit he's a lock-in for Australian of the Year. That should just be a non-negotiable. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was a, I had a good laugh. Um, I think it was uh, Chris Fagan. Uh, he jumped out and done a hammy. Done so a hammy. Was, uh, off, he reckons it could yes. be off the bone. <laughs> and he was off dressed the as the Reverend too. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's amazing that he could have hurt himself. Hopefully he's okay, but yeah, it looked... Didn't look like a great deal, but just that slip off the steps had done it. And what did you make of Dimmer's I Love Mrs. Hardwick t-shirt? That's a winner for sure. Yeah, that was a pisser. <laughs> I would have liked to see the Adidas stripes to be true Tommy Hafey as well, on the, on the shoulders all, and a bit tighter, like Tommy used to wear them. But yeah, yeah you liked, I liked it. Yeah. If they sold them in the Punt Road store, they would sell shitloads of those t-shirts. I, love Mrs. <laughs> I reckon they would. <laughs> <laughs> Even, they can just make it black with a yellow love heart with a black text on it. Uh, it'll make a killing. Guys will buy one. It's not even just a female targeted shirt. Everyone will be all over it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, credit to the coach. They did a good job this year. What did you reckon of the Scott brothers just swapping over? Was that a bit predictable or did you enjoy that one? Very predictable, yeah. Yeah, I um, I think they're both flogs. So, yeah. I don't <laughs> mind Chris. One, I don't like that. The best one from an entry perspective was Beverage. Just surfing it down. That was quite good. Yeah, great. That was good. So, all right, we'll push on to the big round 13 game versus the Cats this week. Uh, and it is, it's a massive game for both clubs. A lot on the line with the, how the ladder's panning out. We're, oh, I'm going to say, down on form a little bit and they're up and about. Uh, Richo, what are your thoughts on the game? Uh, yeah, I think uh, it's it's a big, you're right, it's a big game for both clubs. And Geelong will be coming out pretty hard to trying to raise the humiliation of the final last year, which we did pull their pants down and absolutely spank them silly. But I think the Tigers should be up for it too. They've got a patch to defend and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be there and I think it'll be a, a ripping game. And JR, what, what are your thoughts on it? Do we have to address any glaring issues from last week against Port? Yeah, well, definitely. Um, I know it's cliche, but uh, it's going to be one in the midfield. Um, very cliche. But uh, if we go, if we don't have um, some more intensity... Um, than what we did in the Port game. I think uh, we, we can lose the game, but um, I'm hoping being at the MCG um, and, you know, the Port loss is going to hurt a little bit. The guys get some fire in the belly. Um, you know, I think Miles, I don't know, I've seen some people um, giving him a bit of a hard time, but I think he did okay um, coming from the VFL. It was his first game back and he's been out for a while. Um, he did look slow. Um, I don't know if that's just, you know... It's going to take some time to adjust. Um, but he looked small see, too. He did look small. Um, I think a lot of people look small uh, against the Port midfielders because they're all big boys. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, know. I think Martin coming in uh, is, you know, Martin and Graham need to come in. Um, yep, and Rioli. And, and Rioli. Fingers crossed um, Rioli can get up. Uh, I did oh, he'll see, be in for sure. He'll be in for I, sure. Yeah, they How did say on the... Didn't, they? didn't he get stomped on or something? Yeah, but he 
it was interesting after the game, uh, him and Bolton and Stengel and Townsend all did uh, sp- sprints along the length of the centre square after the game. Townsend did a couple and the other three did several up and back, like half a dozen at least up and back, 50 to 60 metre sprints. Um, and Rioli was doing fine and, and Bolton was flying. He, he gave Stengel a 10 metre start a couple of times and blew past him. Wow. <laughs> And that's, what about well, that's the, Stengel's problem. He's not athletic. He's, he's smart. Though. He's, he's a, a footballer. He's a, little, he's a smart, tough, strong little nugget of a player, but I worry about his running capacity in the modern game. And what about the Holy and Trinity? I, I, don't, I don't think Miles will be playing this week either. Miles will get dropped. It'll be Martin, Rioli, Graham, and maybe Townsend and maybe Bolton will come in. And I think Miles is first out along with uh, probably Menadieu, Higgins, maybe more if they bring in Townsend. Moore's probably gone, and uh, I don't know. Brandon Ellis is probably on a bit of thin ice, and so he got a warning shot across the bow a few weeks ago when he got dropped, and he was back to some pretty poor form again on Friday night. The other out that may occur is Asprey, depending on how his ankle pulls up. So mm-hmm. if that was to occur, Garthwaite, I'm assuming, would be the one to come in. Although there's been some talk about how good Bolter played on the weekend, but I'm not sure if he's conditioned already enough to come in for an AFL game yet. Oh, but... it'll, be, it'll be Garthwaite. He's ready. He yeah. knows how to play the position. Like, Bolter, Bolter played forward for the first quarter and a bit and couldn't touch it, and then they put him behind the ball and in the ruck, and he was great, just on freakish natural athleticism, and he was still running strong at the end of the game. That's it. He's got a naturally big tank, and he's, he's super exciting, but I think he's more likely to take... Brandon Ellis's spot than David Asprey's. You know, he's a, if, I'd, if he's playing, I'd play him on the halfback flank because he he moves well enough. Yeah, but he, his aerial game isn't up there like Garthwaite is. And what about the, and uh, the Holy Trinity place. with Ablett, Selwood, Dangerfield? How are we going to curtail those guys, Jr.? Yeah, well, <clears throat> looking, I watched some highlights. I couldn't catch the whole game. Uh, the Geelong and North game, but um, seems like uh, Dangerfield spent a fair bit of time up forward as well. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting because if we if we get Martin back, um, we can put Caddy back into the um, Caddy back into the forward lo- forward line, which will make our midfield look much better with uh, Cochin, uh, Graham, Martin. And probably Edwards running through there a little bit as well. Um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a tough battle though. And the the matchup for the Geelong Fords, Richo Hawkins being their big target, is Rance going to go to him, or do we think? I mean, let's say Asprey's out and Garthwaite comes in. Do you throw him to Garthwaite, or do you sort of have to stick Rance on him, let Garthwaite take the second best? Yeah, probably. I'd be big ass for Garth. Uh, Hawkins is a big, strong man, and I thought. I thought that he had, he was probably one of their better players in the loss in the final, even though he didn't impact the scoreboard much and he got a lot of his ball up the ground. I think he still got got a reasonable number of touches for a, for a key forward in, from memory. I don't think you can – it would be a big ask to put Garth on a massive man like that in his first game. And what about at the other end of the field with our forward line? I mean, Blitzarves has turned himself into a pretty decent full back, believe it or not. So Rewalt is going to have his work cut out, especially if we're just bombing the ball in long. Do we have to change our yep. approach and our delivery to to actually get onto the scoreboard? Yeah, I think movement. We've got to have move movement in the forward line. Lots of lots of folks moving around. I think Jack's smart enough to 
for perhaps lose Blitzarves up the field, like you know, doubling back and that sort of thing. Uh, but then Blitzarves is probably a good enough athlete to to get lost and still catch catch him by the time the ball gets there. So that'll be interesting. Um, I think we just got to lower our eyes a bit and hit some targets instead of just bombing away. You know, honestly, really leads. make a big difference. I really will make a huge difference. Absolutely. He really is the barometer for our pressure, Rioli. I mean, the the guys have done well without him, but it just hasn't felt quite the same with him not being in the team. Well, yeah, our pressure this year is act- we're, we're supposedly the pressure side, and I saw a stat the other day that we're twelfth or fourteenth in the league for pressure. So we're nine three without we haven't even haven't even changed into third year for pressure yet. I think I think we're just uh, I think we're that's why I'm pretty confident. Like we're going to go well because we haven't. We haven't hit the button yet, you know. We're just cruising at 9-3 and wait till we turn up the heat. I suppose that's what... Uh, there's, all, there's always that small part of me that thinks, do we have that ability to flick that switch or are we just going to be up and down like we have been the past few weeks? It's really hard to gauge and, yeah, I'm hoping we can just kind of flick the switch later on in the year. Well, you want to build the form. You don't want to just leave it till September and go, okay, now go, because as you say, you might, might not be there. But I think we can... Uh, I think we do have the extra gears and they'll be working to, to bring them in from August onwards. I think just build nicely and then you know, the last few weeks of the home and away season really try just fine-tune everything and hit September running, full, all, all cylinders firing. And, JR, we talked about Dusty being out before. Uh, do you reckon there was any more to it than being just a calf new? I mean, I've, I've thought he's been injured for a few weeks and he hasn't looked right at all, but... Is it just a simple? Do you reckon it was a planned rest, or has it just been something that's just developed late? Or what do you reckon about it all? Yeah, I think he's looked a bit off for a few weeks now. Um, you know, he's he's still doing all right. Um, just as a big expectation on him, you know, and especially to back it up from last year. Um, but I think yeah, he's probably just had a few niggles, and um, yeah, it's probably just a good time to uh, to give him a bit of a rest. I'm hoping that he does play. Um, I think he will because uh, we can't we can't afford to keep dropping games if we want to finish top four. So, um, yeah, he's going to make a big difference, obviously, as well. Do you reckon if we had have beaten Port that he would have taken the extra week off? Yep. Yeah. If, he, if there's any doubt, yeah, probably. I, I felt like he's... that was the plan the whole time, to have three weeks off. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I just kind of feel like that Port loss might, may have just shaken things up a little bit to, to change how, how we're going to approach it. To me, he's looked like he's had a, a groin issue for for quite a while, and he's never the whole season. He's never looked as fit and sleek as he did last year. Um, whether that was a plan to just ease him through and you know do the mini preseason in the middle of the year, which I think we've done, and I think that's maybe why he's picked up a calf niggle that I don't think he has had prior to the last couple of weeks. I, I, I thought his problem was groin, but I don't, that was just from looking at him. Yeah, we can see how he goes upon his return, but we definitely would rather him just firing towards the end of the year because uh, that's when it obviously counts. So, all right, before we finish up, we'll get a, a prediction from you guys from the game. Uh, Rich, I'll start with you first. What's your prediction and margin for the game? Uh, look, I think it'll be it'll be hot early on. Um, well, probably for most of the game, it'll be pretty intense. I think. Um, I just think we'll we'll pull away, we'll outrun them, and probably win by. 21 points. I'll happily take that. And JR8, what about yourself? What's the prediction? Uh, I've 
think we I think we can win it. So yeah, I think three three to four goals um, in our favour. But I think it's going to be yeah two to three quarters of it probably being a grind, and hopefully we can pull away in the last quarter. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I'm not overly confident with this game. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Geelong beat us just because they're going to be after some serious retribution from the qualifying final. But if we're to get up and things go well, we we play the way we know we can. We should be able to to get up by about two to three goals. But yeah, yeah. it's going to be really yeah, I interesting be to see. Yeah, I won't be shocked if we lose, but I'll back us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the guys love a challenge, and I think they're aware of the fact that the G is our advantage over most teams in the competition. So hopefully, we can utilise that and uh, and put them to the sword again. Just a reminder: the game is on Sunday, the seventeenth of June at three twenty p.m. at the MCG. So it's uh well, it's their home ground, home game, but it's our home ground. What a so horrible we'll suck on time that. slot. I know, I know. What a horrible that, time slot in the middle of winter. The crowd will be down because the Geelong people won't want to have to drive back that lake because they've got mm. work tomorrow or the next day. Oh, all the Tigers get out there again and boo them when they come on the ground and they'll be they'll be terrified. Yeah, all the bring supporters you, bring will be terrified. Bring your bells. We can, uh, we can ring a bell before the game as well just to make them feel at home. I always replicate that boo from the qualifying final when the cats come on the ground. That was, a, that was unreal. That was, was one of my favourite moments of the whole year. Yeah. It was totally unexpected too. I don't think anyone yeah, saw it coming. I turned to my old man and just said, listen to that. I couldn't yeah. believe it. And like you look back at the footage, you can kind of see the players smirking because they didn't see it coming either. And um, yeah, probably got them up and about a bit. So no, that was good. But yes, make sure everyone gets out there to support the boys and give them hell. Uh, so reach out the disco yep. and JRA, Thanks. thank you so much for your time, guys. And uh, thanks for coming on. Pleasure, Michael. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. No worries at all. Until next time, go Tigers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!